tonight, part four. I want to ask how many are getting, don't lie to me either, we're in church. How many are getting something out of this series on discipleship? Is anybody learning anything? Is anybody growing in your walk? I hope that this is speaking to you and helping you uh, to understand better what it means to be a disciple. And hopefully as we're going through this, you're finding out, am I a disciple? Because we've been talking about this from the beginning, church. Just because you come to this church, just because you have a notebook in your hand, just because you carry a Bible, just because you claim to be a Christian, doesn't mean you're a disciple. Disciples are made, not born. And even when we are born again, we are not automatically disciples. And one of the things that was just mentioned so powerfully at the offering by Dwayne about obedience is that's really what it comes down to. That's really what we've been looking at the most in these last few weeks is you're going to see it just comes down to do what God says. How do I know if I'm saved? How do I know if I'm a disciple? How do I know, how do I know if I'm ready for Jesus to come back? By checking yourself and asking, do I obey God's word? Am I doing my very best to obey? I mean, no, that goes a long ways. Simple obedience. Don't have to understand it all. Don't have to agree with it all. But you have to obey it. Amen? And God's given us principles. And we're going to say once again tonight our, our, our theme message or verse, Matthew chapter 22. We're going to read it again. So it gets in our spirits what it is to be a disciple. They came and asked him. And experts in religious law tried to trap him with the question, Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, here was his answer, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. So he says, I don't want part of you. I don't even want 90% of you. I want all of you. Tonight you need to ask yourself the question, do I, does God have all of me? I can't answer that for you. You can't answer that for me. Nobody else can answer that for you, but that's God's question. He says, I, I, if you want to be my disciple, and if you want to follow me, what's the greatest thing you can do? God says the greatest thing you can do is love me all in. Love me all the way. Give me 100% of your heart. And then he says, this is the first and greatest commandment, and a second is equally important. And we can, I want to say this, we can only do this second one if we do the first one. It's impossible to fulfill the second commandment if we don't get the first one right. He says, and this is that you would love your neighbor as yourself. And some people go, I can't do that. And so they just automatically disqualify themselves. I can't do that. But how many have realized through this series that God is not going to ask us to do something that we cannot do? He's not an impossible God. He's not saying that I'm going to ask you to do something you cannot do. So if he's asking us to do it, we can do it. But we're going to need help. And that help comes from the Holy Spirit. And that help comes from the power of God resting on our lives and helping us realize that I need to love people because Jesus Christ loved me first. Father, I pray a special blessing tonight over every man, every woman, every teenager that's in this place tonight. For the kids that are in nursery and, and children's church tonight, I pray for those watching online that... Uh, are working or couldn't get here, Father, in time, that, Lord, you would just bless them with an abundance of obedience, that we would understand that's the greatest thing we can do tonight, is simply learn your word and obey it and, and trust you to help us. 
Father, I pray that you would continue to raise up disciples in this place. Father, I pray that I would continue to become every day more a disciple of you and to be more like you and less like this world every day. Father, I pray for any bondage, chains, darkness, spirits of wickedness in high places that would be battling any of your people tonight. And I declare freedom over their lives. And I pray and ask that your Holy Spirit would rest on this service and you would anoint my words to get to their ears, to get into their spirit and their heart so that we can all have fruit in our lives and fulfill the great commission. And I ask these things in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And he says the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And so last week we, we uh, only got into one. I, I didn't have it planned that way. We went over... Uh, Matthew 5, 27 to 30, I'm not going to read that again, but we were talking about adultery, and we were talking about how, and I want you to think about this as we go forward, how Jesus really does not make it easier from the Old Testament, as some people think, now that we're not under, they say, now that we're not under the law anymore, then it's easier, and it's simpler, and we're just kind of off the hook, and I want to I say this and make this clear, that this is a, an erroneous thinking, I want you to really think about this. And it's why we talk so much about the follow-up of when people come to make a decision for Christ. When people come forward, and I want you to think about this yourself. When someone is sitting in a service and they hear a message, maybe next Saturday at the concert, there's going to be people listening to the concert and listening to the songs, listening to testimonies, and then they're going to be pricked in their heart by the Holy Spirit to accept Christ, to believe on Jesus, that He is the Son of God, that He is salvation. When all that begins to happen... And you're sitting there and you maybe you can remember when that happened to you. And you're, you're, you're praying in that altar call. And the, the message is coming forth. And, and, and the, the invitation is given. Would you, do you know Jesus tonight? Would you like to accept him and put your faith in him and believe in him and say this prayer? Unfortunately, church, the problem is, is too many people say the prayer. But that's it. That is not where salvation ends. That is where it begins. And we have to understand that it is not simply enough. You can't just expect to come forward and say that prayer and think that you're going to make it to heaven. The Bible says, he who endures till the end shall be saved. And I, I would tell you, as I've been praying about this and thinking about this a lot, a lot of people, a lot of Christians... They'll, they'll say, man, I remember, and a lot of don't even remember the date, but I remember the day I said the prayer that I gave Jesus uh, my, my heart, and I, I gave him my life, and I accepted him as Christ. Those are the words we use. But the question is, what have you done since then? Amen. That, that prayer was, was genuine, I hope, and, and you meant it. But then, as Christians, we have to start to learn what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? And as we begin to start reading the scriptures, we start realizing that there's a lot more expected of us than maybe we understood. And it's not that we don't teach that here. It's that that's a, there's a lot to say. Can you imagine if I had time at the altar to say right before we say this prayer, I want you to understand that there's about 40 to 50 things that Jesus expects of you to do for the rest of your life with the, all the diligence of your heart. I mean, it, it, and, and, I, and I wish we could do that. I wish we could lay it all out because it needs to be laid out. 
Is anybody starting to see in this series that this is what we're talking about? That Jesus said and expects, he says, if you want to follow me. Okay, so we hear that part in, in our minds and the way we are as human beings is we just want an easy way out. Why do you think they call it jailhouse religion? How many people are in a jail, and, and it doesn't have to be behind bars, but that's where a lot of it happens. It could be in a situation, could be in whatever. But jailhouse religion, Lord, if you'll change me, if you'll get me out of here, I'll serve you. Where in the world does it say that in the Bible? That we can make a deal with the Lord. And there is a genuineness in that. There are some people who truly cry out and truly in their hearts are saying, I'm gonna, I want to change God, please. But too many people say the, say the prayer and don't understand that there's a cost. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. But that's not preached in churches. That's not preached in the, today it's it's just all about just say the prayer, just 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 believe and listen, I'm not again, I I feel like I have to make this disclaimer every single time just in case somebody's maybe watching online or or is going to take me wrong on what I'm saying. We understand, let me just make the disclaimer again, that I understand that that man on the cross was saved totally by grace. He did not have time to do any of the 40 to 50 commands that Jesus expected. And he did not get baptized. And he did not pay any tithes. He didn't really even have a whole lot of time to say any kind of confessions of sins. And Jesus looked over him and said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. But that is the exception of the rule. Not everybody is going to get a chance on their deathbed or before they die to have that crying out to God moment. Neither should we, in, in our love for Christ, even be trying to live that kind of life. That now I've got this free ticket to heaven, I'm saved, my name's in the Lamb's book of life, and I'm good. I'm on my way to heaven shouting victory. But do you realize, church, that in the, in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 3, do you realize that the Bible says in the chapter, chapter 3, that if you do these certain things, I will not blot out your name from the book of life. So if he is saying, I will not blot out your name, that means your name can be blotted out. That means that we have to live a life that is denying myself, taking up my cross, and following him. And I believe too many people say a decision, make a decision, and say a prayer to accept Christ in a jailhouse religion fashion with no repentance in their life. Are you following me so far? Hopefully, if I'm doing my job correctly, you are thinking to yourself, what is my attitude tonight about this? How, how did I get saved? And, and if you got saved that way, maybe a, a get-out-of-jail-free card, then now you're starting to realize there's more to this than just saying a prayer at an altar call. There's follow-up. And the more we read, so, so if you came in that Sunday morning, you were that person, and you got saved, gave your life to Christ, and the next day or next week you got hit in a car accident or shot by a stray bullet or died of a heart attack, you're going to heaven, most likely. You haven't had a chance to even learn anything yet. But do you understand that the more you read the Bible, the more responsible you are? 
So that's why you say, some of you say, well, that's why I don't read it. That's not going to fly either. That's why I stay away from it. No, that's not the idea. But the more you come to church, so don't stop coming. You're doing the right thing. But understand, the more you know, the more you're going to be held accountable for. And then we find out, okay, the Bible's speaking to me like last week on, on, on lusting in your heart. And Jesus says, I'm taking this to another level. I'm not just going to ask you not to commit adultery. I'm not just going to ask you not to have physical relations outside of marriage with another person. I'm going to tell you that if you even think about it in your heart, you've done it. So Jesus is taking the gospel and the Old Testament prophets to another level. He's not saying you get a get-free card. He's saying, I expect more. Because didn't Jesus do more? Jesus did more. So the disclaimer is that, yes, we're saved by grace. Totally. 100%. Cannot be good enough. Cannot be too bad. Cannot deserve it. Cannot earn it. Cannot buy it. Can't do anything to get it except accept it. But once you get it, that's when God's demands begin as a disciple. And the Bible tells us to not miss the mark. And the Bible tells us that when you know something is wrong and you still do it, that is sin. That's why a couple can be, for example, can be sitting in a, in a, in a and this happened even in Pastor Gould's church this last week, and they're about to get married. A couple can be sitting in a church and they can be living together as many here were as many have in the past, sitting together in a church, living together, not even thinking about it. Remember David and Joanna just got married in December. Not even thinking about it. I don't say that to embarrass them. We've talked about this a lot of times. All of a sudden, they're sitting together in a service and under the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit, through His Word, begins to reveal our sin in our life. And the Holy Spirit begins to tell us, you are a sinner. You need a Savior. And then we begin to say, now I'm hearing the Word of God and I'm realizing that even though I love God and he, I'm, I'm saved by grace, He needs me to fix this situation that I'm in, that I put myself in, and I can't continue to live in sin and be shacking up. I need to get married and make it right. And that's what, God, that's what all of us are doing here and trying, in a million different ways, in a million different directions. God is every day, every service, working on something in our lives. Amen? Something He's working on every day. And that's why this stuff comes in. So He takes it to another level. And I, I, I just want us to understand that that's why we're doing this discipleship series and why this is so healthy for the church. Because I want you to know what you believe and I want you to believe what you know. Amen? I want you to know. I don't want you to be caught off guard. I want you to be attacked by the devil, not know how to defend yourself. We need to know that Jesus is with us. He's for us. He's not against us. But he's, he's got some expectations for us. And those, when we fulfill those expectations to the best of our ability, we're as close to God as we can be. Amen? I didn't say he loves us more. You notice what I'm saying? He doesn't love us more. We're closer to him. A parent can have three kids. One or two of them can be living right, and the other one can be living horribly, and they love all three kids the same. The, the love doesn't ever change. But the relationship with those, two, those three kids and the closeness with those kids, and all the, that's different. 
So I'm not telling you Jesus is going to love you more when you obey his commands. He's going to, you're going to be closer to him. You're going to be as, and I, want to, I don't know about you, but I want to be as close to Jesus as I can be. Because this isn't a religion, it's a what? Relationship. Amen. And we're not just trying to cross off. We're trying to learn these things so that one day we can get these things in us. And, and, and we don't even have to read it again. We know that's right. That's wrong. I don't do that. We do that. We don't do that. We don't go. It just becomes second nature because now it's in you. You, you know it. Because you're a disciple and you're close to Jesus. And you know his heart. So last week we left off on getting rid of lust and whatever caused you to sin. This week we're going to start off with number six. And it says, just write this down, do not swear at all. Do not swear at all. Now this is obviously could go a lot of directions in your minds. We're going to read Matthew chapter 5. And I don't know if you've noticed yet, a lot of this is in Matthew chapter 5. A lot of the stuff we're going over. And it says verse 34 to 37, if you're taking notes. I'm going to read it, then I'm going to kind of break it down a little bit. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But watch this. Let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Amen. Here, here's, here's some ways to understand this. I want you to write a few things down. Number one, tell the truth. Tell the truth. We've done whole messages on this. When should we tell the truth? Always. Always. T telling the truth is always going to be the best thing to do. What should I do in this situation? Tell the truth. Be honest. Character. The character of our lives is, and listen, this is, this is an area, as we get to this again, it's like, man, here, here's another one. Man, a lot of us were raised that why, there's no such thing as a white lie. We've just been the truth. We just exaggerate. Here's some things you can exaggerate the truth. Still the truth, but it's exaggerated. Uh, bragging. Stretching the truth. Changing it, maybe having half-truth. There's a lot of things that, 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 that we do in conniving ways without even maybe realizing it because it's our nature to do that. Like, like I say, you, you, especially when you little kids, when they're just learning how to really function in their sin, in their sinful nature. They have ways of describing what they're doing. You say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Did, did you do that? And they have all kinds of ways to, who teaches them to do that? Who teaches a little kid to come up with, and sometimes we have to be careful not to laugh as parents. Because what they say is funny, but it's sad at the same time. Because you think, who taught them that conniving little spirit? Am I talking to anybody here? They know how to, well, it's, it's this, you know, and they just start to explain themselves and they just make it up as they go along and they're going to tell you everything but the truth. Right? And then we, we grow up as kids into teenagers and, 
If we haven't fixed that and met Jesus, then we, we perfect it a little bit more. And then if we haven't met Jesus and gotten discipled and changed by the time we're adults, we are professional liars. Professional exaggerators. Professional braggers. Professional truth stretchers. Pros. Am I, am I talking to anybody in here that might be, might be, you don't have to raise your hand, but you might be good at some of that stuff. Like you can you sell ice to an Eskimo. Because you're going to stretch the truth and brag. And, but how many know that, that that's what he's talking about here? He said, the truth, let the truth be told. Yes be yes, no be no. Don't swear by things. What I'm trying to get you to understand is what he's saying here is, is, is be a person of your word. Because what they would do back then is the Pharisees and Sadducees, they would, they would, they would say things that were boisterous and, 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 and haughty. And, and they would say that we're going to go, for example, just an example, they would say, we're going to go feed the poor. It's in our heart to go feed the poor. And they would say that in public. And, and they would get donations and all that, but have no intention of feeding the poor. And if they even did feed the poor, because maybe someone was watching them, they never had the intention of feeding the poor because they wanted to help the poor. They were doing it to look good. Is anybody kind of seeing what, I'm, what this is saying here? Our motives are, we have to check ourselves all the time on why we do things. Do we do it because God told us to do it and because we're obeying his word and because there's a love and a compassion in us? Or are, are we doing it because we just want to look good? Are we, are we going to do this outreach next Saturday so we can put another notch on the, on the calendar and say, hey, we did a big outreach and people came and we had a beautiful concert and is that why we're doing it or, or do we want to reach people? See what I'm saying? So we can do a lot of things with the wrong attitude with, and looking for a pat on the back and and this is what he's saying. he's saying. I'm trying to generalize this to make it a little, because sometimes it can be hard to understand this part of Scripture and I, I, I wanted to study it out and kind of help you. Listen to this. Only 22% of Americans believe in such a thing as an absolute truth. 22. One out of five people. So if this wasn't Bible-believing, born-again Christians in here, one out of every five of us, only one out of every five of us, or if you want to put it the other way, four out of every five of us don't believe in an absolute truth. Like nothing's absolutely true. And that's why we're in trouble today. But how many know we have a Bible that is the absolute truth? And, and I think sometimes that's even a problem. People claim to be Christians and don't even truly believe in the Word of God. Because you can't be here tonight and say, you know what, I believe in most of the Bible. I, I think most of it's true, but I'm, you know, there's a few stories and a few things I'm like, I don't know about that. You can't do that. You can't be that way with God. God doesn't accept that. He's, he says, you're all in or you're all out. That's also in Revelation. We talked about that. You're either hot or cold. There's no hanging around. In the, and that's what, the, that's what the Pharisees and Sadducees do. It's what Jesus is attacking. Jesus is saying, be in or be out. Are you in it or are you out of it? Are you, are you here or are you not? He's, don't, don't, and listen, I'm not saying we don't have days and moments that all of us get in a funk and we, we have a wrong attitude. I'm talking about this is a lifestyle that everything we do is to be seen. We're going to do something and we're going to make sure we look around. We're praying. Just, just an example. We're praying. Someone walks in. We're, we're, we're wanting to be seen. 
They, they would want to be seen in the, in the synagogue. They'd, they'd want to be seen by other people. We're, we, we do things so other people see it. We stage it. That's, that's what he's saying here. Don't, do, don't live that way. Live your life unto God. Do what you do unto God. Make your prayers in secret so that they'll be rewarded publicly. Don't, don't live your life in a way that you're a certain way at church or a certain way around, especially you teenagers. Listen, this is especially hard for you. I'm not going to say it's not hard, but you need to be the same person all the time. And just choose which one you're going to be. If you're not going to serve God, then don't, go, don't serve God. Do what you're going to do. But don't act like you, like you love God when you're here around all the other people that act like they love God. And then act a different way at school. Don't be that person. Don't be that person, adult. Don't be, oh, glory to God, hallelujah, you're so awesome, Jesus, here at church. And be a different person at work. Don't be that person. That's what he's, that's what he's saying here. He's Yes or no? I'm a believer or I'm not? How many know that most of the atheists in this world are because of fake Christians? They see an example of what a Christian is supposed to be, and it's not a true Christian. And they think, if that's what it is, I don't want nothing to do with it. Amen. Amen. So if there's no absolute truth, we're in trouble in the first place. So don't try to listen. Don't try to be something that you're not. Amen. Don't try to be something that you're not. Another thing that goes along this is be genuine. Be genuine. Be real. When somebody meets you, hopefully when they walk away from you, they, they might not have a lot to say about you, but they could at least say they're real. They're genuine. I want that. I want people to say he's genuine, he's real, he's, he is who he says he is. If he says he's going to do something, he does it. If he says he's going to be somewhere, he's there. If he says he's not going to be there, he's not going to be there. That's what God's looking for. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. And he says if anything else comes out of that, it's of the evil one. So how many know we act like the evil one sometimes? And this is where Jesus is helping us. Now in all these things, remember this is just one, and last week was another, out of 40 to 50 Things that Jesus is telling us to do. It's a lot. So don't be like, I can't do it. I'm just going to quit. No, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. Amen. How many would say that with me? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But it's hard. But it's hard. Tell the person next to you, but it's hard. It's hard. And Jesus said it would be hard. And thank God he did. Thank God he didn't say, hey, this is going to be a piece of cake. You're saved now. Just follow that gold, gold paved road. And wherever you see gold, just follow it. You'll be good. He didn't say that. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Suffering with Christ. We don't want that, though, especially in America. We don't want to suffer. We, we want everything great. And listen, here's the thing. Life can be great. Life can't, I'm not, it's not always going to be great, but life can be great. But you know when life is great? When you're walking in obedience. Those blessings will overcome you. 
when you're walking in obedience. Some people sign up, say, I'm a Christian, want to be saved, want all the benefits, but don't want to do anything that Christ asks them to do. And then they're miserable, and they have lots of problems, and nothing ever, go, ever goes right, and they just think that, they're, that, they're, that God doesn't love them. And what does God say? If you love me, obey my commandments. Amen? So this is good stuff. I'm going to finish with this tonight. Number six, I'm going to move on to another one just to not stay on one there. That was do not swear at all. That was be genuine, be real, be a person of your word. Yes, yes, no, no. And by the way, if you're taking notes back on the other one, James 5, verse 12, if you want to read that later, also repeats. He is repeating and quoting Jesus' words, talking about let your yes be yes and your no be no. I forgot something I'm going to throw in there real quick. I, I, I could have spent a lot of time on it, but you're probably thankful I'm not going to. Time is, is part of that yes, yes, no, no thing. Amen? If you're be, be, place, be a place on time where you're supposed to be at the time you're supposed to be there or even be early. Say, go on, Pastor, to the next one. <laughs> I've, been, I've, been hard, I've been good hard on these men on Friday mornings. Do you know we have over 20 people showing up on a Friday morning at 5, not 5.30, 5.20, I get here at 5.15, see five cars, revi that's revival. I said, these guys, don't walk in at 5, we pray for 20 minutes. So in our, in our, in our hearts, and our attitudes, see, I didn't even get to number seven. You want me to move on? Too bad. In our hearts, we say, it's just prayer. I'm praying in the car. I'm praying to get here. I'm there. Shoot, I'm getting there at 5.30 in the morning, Pastor. Come on. And so we can walk in at 5.35 or 5.40 or 5.45, and then we'll start to study about 5.50. I said, don't do that. Get here at 5.29. Get here at 5.28. Why? Because we're disciplining ourselves. Amen. When you show up to a place on time and you leave early to get there on time and you take traffic into consideration and you take and you, you're, you're, you're telling God everything is important to me. And, I, and, and this has a lot to do with my character as a Christian. Oh, I got quiet. I guess I have to move on. Amen. I don't want to move on, though. It's, it's how many believe it's important? I said this to the men in discipleship on Saturday morning in Mesa, and one guy came up to me and thanked me after, because I always say, don't show up to work on time, but be late to church. Why would you do that? Why, why would you make work? Now, it's important to be on time to work. I'm not telling you don't be late on time to work. But if, if our, that, that's kind of what, what God is saying here. Like, don't, don't be something at work that you're not in my house. Shouldn't we have greater excellence for the things we do for the kingdom of God than for anything else? Like if we're just all in and we're excellence and we have this amazing attitude and we're on time and we're servants and we're all these things that work, which we should be, but we come to church and we're late and we don't help, we don't serve, we don't do anything, there's a problem there. Because if anything, it should be the other way around. Jesus, like you said with tithe, don't stop doing the, the former without the latter. So just work on those things. And if, if I'm talking to you, the Holy Spirit's talking to you, work on those things. And you're going to see that that discipline is going to help you. And it's going to help you get up earlier to pray. It's going to help you to get up early to read the Bible. It's going to help you. You know, some physical discipline is good. You know, do some push-ups, do some sit-ups, walk to the mailbox instead of, I don't know what else, how else you get there, but hey, man. 
Park further back out in the parking lot a little bit. You know, just some discipline. Say discipline with me. That's what, that's what the Bible's telling us. What's, that's part of discipleship is discipline. Say move on, Pastor. You didn't want to say it, did you? Last one, I'll get over this. Do not resist an evil person. We'll pick this up a little bit next week. Do not resist an evil person. Can you believe Jesus said that? What is wrong with him? What is he doing? Do not resist an evil person. Matthew 5, 38 to 39. You have heard the law that says that the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And listen, I ran into a guy today who was from Saudi Arabia. Listen to this. And he began to tell me, he goes, listen, Mr. Blake. Listen, in Saudi Arabia, Kristen was there. She heard him. He said, if you steal something, they take you to the jail 72 hours. You're going to be there for 72 hours. He says, they said you stole something. They're going to get the evidence together in that 72 hours. And he said, if they come back and find out you stole something, at the end of 72 hours, if you stole something, they're cutting your hand off. And you're leaving the jail with no hand, teenagers. Think about it. See, that's what, that's what eye for an eye, tooth for tooth is. He said, he said, Mr. Blake, if you rape somebody in my country, Saudi Arabia, he says, I said, just the accusation. Yep, just the accusation. They're going to arrest you. Just by, just by a guy saying the woman, the woman says he raped me. Yep, just by the accusation. They're going to arrest you. Take you to the jail for 72 hours. They're going to do all the checks physically. And if it comes back that you, that, that, you know what that means? That that lines up and you rape that person? They say, hey, call some people in that you want to see. And at the end of 72 hours, he said, they kill you. I'm here thankful you live in the United States. Only two of you, okay. I know we would, we would all like for that to be a little stricter here, won't we? Wouldn't we? But this is what Jesus is all about. He, he takes it to another level. He says, but I say, do not resist. Now, he's not saying here that those punishments shouldn't be punished. He's not saying that. He says, I don't resist an evil person. And he says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. That's why, that's why this walk is hard. I see some of you like this. I see it. I see it. I know about that. Mm -mm. And then there's an old evangelistic joke. I only got two cheeks. So once I give them that other one, then it's on. That's what they used to say back in the day. I only got two cheeks. I get Here's the first one. Here's, you slap me on this one. Here's my other one. But you hit me there, then it's on. That's what we do as people, right? Man, Jesus is taking all this to another level. Read your Bibles. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your help. These things, these things seem hard. But the truth is, God, 
if our heart is right, if we're in love with you, if we're in love with you, totally in love with you, and we're drawing close to you through obedience, these hard things become easier. Is this possible, the disciples said? They said, this isn't even possible what you're asking for. And Jesus said, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Father, tonight, as we continue through this series, I know that you're teaching us and growing us, speaking to us and showing us the power of discipleship, being disciplined in instruction, learning your word, obeying your word, not questioning why, God, why did you write that in there? It doesn't matter, church, why he wrote it. It doesn't matter if you agree. You can argue all you want, but you're not going to get nowhere. Jesus is looking for absolute obedience to the very best of your ability through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then you're going to be able to do what the next one is, which is love your neighbor as yourself. And you'll be able to have the mercy that God has on us. Father, tonight as heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is here and it's working on our hearts so that we can stay the course and endure till the end. And Father, we can say tonight, Lord, watchful and prayerfully, count me worthy of your return, Lord Jesus. How many all across this place, maybe you're realizing tonight in discipleship series and making disciples that you, maybe you just said it, made a decision, maybe you just said a prayer, but you weren't all in. You haven't truly given your life to the Lord. You haven't truly denied yourself and taken up your cross and the Holy Spirit speaking to you to go all in. To, to deny yourself and die to yourself and let Christ live in you. How many can say, that's me tonight, Pastor? I need to make that decision. I need to go further than just a prayer. I need to obey. I've never done that all across this place. How many? I've never done that I need to do that tonight. We're going to give an opportunity for those that are watching online. Someone could be watching right now that does not know the Lord. We're going to say that prayer in just a moment. If we're here tonight in this place and we are saved, we're born again, and we are considering ourselves disciples, then every single day we are drawing further away from our old selves and we are getting closer to Jesus through obedience to his word. We're learning how to navigate our emotions. We're learning how to resist temptations. We're learning how to turn the other cheek. We're learning how to love people that are not lovable because we are people who are not lovable as well. We're letting God's heart come into ours, His mind to be ours, His works to be our works, His thoughts to be our thoughts. Tonight, as this message was preached, however the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you make a response tonight to the Lord. Let repentance always be at the forefront of your decisions. Lord, is it I? 
Am I rebellious? Am I, am I having the wrong attitude on this? Lord, is there, if there's sin in my life, I repent of it. I turn from it. I've learned tonight maybe that this particular thing is not right. It's not of God. I'm going to turn from that. The, the way I talk, the way I think, the way I manipulate, the way I over-exaggerate, the way I brag. Whatever it is, Lord, if you've spoken to me tonight, I'm going to repent of that thing. Together, we're going to change it. We're going to make it better. We're going to live a life that glorifies your name. As we stand all over this place tonight and begin to prepare our hearts for some time at the altar, some time at the feet of Jesus, I want everybody in this place, before we go offline tonight, I want everyone to say this prayer with me because on the podcast, we don't know, church, all around the world who's listening. I know we have people, I think Chris said we just had our 10,000th download the other day. Amen on our podcast. Isn't that amazing? 10,000 downloads. That's amazing. We don't know where those people are around the world, but they're getting the gospel, and they may be the only gospel they ever listen to. Amen? So we're going to say this prayer as a church, and you that's watching online, you've listened to this message tonight. Say this prayer, but not just, just a popcorn prayer, but a prayer that says, I'm giving my life to Jesus today. I'm laying my life down. I'm, I'm, I'm changing. I'm going to repent of who I am and do a 180 tonight. I'm going to change and be, become who Jesus has called me to be. Say this with me. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and your written word, I find tonight that I am lost and hopeless without Jesus. Jesus, I need you. I repent of all my sins. I turn from all my wickedness. And I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for all my sins. You shed your blood to cleanse me. Tonight I accept that sacrifice for me, a sinner. And I ask you to change my life. I give my life to you. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Help me from this day forward to live a life that glorifies your name through my obedience to your word. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen.